We all have them. We all talk about them. But only two men have decided to make a podcast about their weekends. Do you have a good Saturday? What do you do? Anything good? Um, I went to... We didn't do much in the day. Two best mates. The issues are with the treatments and where researchers might... I mean, this is boring chatting at this. In an uncut chat about their weekends. I actually felt disappointed because I ordered a rubber seal for the oven door and it didn't turn up. Starring Tim and Gendel. Dad's getting pizza. And we're like, <laughs> big, big dad on campus. Hey, I didn't click my fingers and go... Mm. You did. <laughs> did you mean, hey, kids... Dad's getting pizza. Tim and Gen's weekend podcast. Anything could happen. So that's the trailer for the podcast. Yeah. What do you think? American voice, explosions, you know, do you not think it's horrifically over the top? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's perfect. Cool, cool. It's done then. Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. You're going to hear us talk about each song and what it means to them, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. So if you're the kind of person who'd like a new playlist every Monday, you should definitely subscribe. But if you're already subscribed and you'd like to support the podcast, you can now do so on Patreon. Now, Patreon is a platform that allows you to set up a monthly donation in return for access to bonus content that isn't publicly available already. So for the cost of a coffee, you'll get a bonus episode. For the cost of a coffee and a cake, you'll get the bonus episode and raw video footage of all of my previous episodes with all the digressions and nothing edited out. And there's also going to be access to merchandise further down the line. Now, don't worry, mixtapes is always going to be free for you to enjoy, but there is a cost involved in producing it. And there are things that I'd like to do to improve the standard of the podcast and grow the audience that I can't do at the moment because I don't have the budget. So by supporting me, you're going to help me achieve those things a little sooner, and I'm going to give you some extra goodies to say thanks. So if you would like to support the podcast, and I hope that you do, you can do that by visiting patreon.com forward slash mixtapes with Mike. But enough about that. Let's talk about music. Now, this week's guest is a Canadian stand-up comic who I've been speaking to on and off for the past year. He's been paying his dues on the Canadian circuit and was just starting to make headway into progressing to the next level when the pandemic showed up and put the brakes on everything, which is a situation I am all too familiar with. So this week's guest is stand-up comedian Andrew Chof. How we doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm getting there, slowly. Is <laughs> generally what I say to anyone who asks over the last 12 months. I either say I'm getting there slowly or plodding on. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's basically it. Existing. Uh, That's where that's where we are in Canada. Just just existing. Well, this is it, man. So, so we're so we're in Canada. Are you right now? Toronto. Oh, cool. Toronto, Ontario. I really want to go. 
like I've, I've spoken to a few Canadian acts uh, over the last sort of six months and my, my wife and I love traveling over to like uh, America and North America like we've done California and we've done some of the East Coast cities but I, I really want to go to Canada and, and see it properly yeah I mean I don't know if it would be a disappointment <laughs> like it's okay uh the the west has like the mountains and the ocean and stuff Toronto's is it's just a city it's it's okay yeah I but I I, I I i get what you mean but i think it's very easy to take the place where you live for granted because it's just normal to you that 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 is true yeah so like anyone yeah. visiting who's never you know I, I love going to cities you know I, I proposed to my missus in New York um, we've Ooh. made a we've made a point of like traveling to like San Francisco and we've been to Chicago and we've uh, we've driven all over kind of California so like but we we love going to places that have that kind of that kind of city culture just and just sort of getting in amongst it and like checking the whole place out and like i said there's probably loads of things that are just normal background to you that an outsider would probably <laughs> yeah, get no you're right yeah because every now and then we we'll have those uh we have like the kind of like the tour buses like the double decker like uh uh like city tour buses mm-hmm. and i'm always just like what are they what are they looking at <laughs> like i always confuse them what they're seeing here like I, i've done them in london i'm like there's actual like history you can go see big ben and stuff uh here we see in tower uh i don't know <laughs> well there you go you're gonna have to get on the bus in toronto and you might learn why <laughs> yeah true let's they'll just describe things that happened there uh fairly recently this is the corner where uh, i got mugged that time and they'd be like oh stay away from there <laughs> so what, one of the reasons i sort of happened upon you on instagram is because i i, I was looking out for uh, stand-up comics and i think i think i saw you like listed on a bill with someone else that i would maybe spoken to um okay so so how long have you been going in stand-up um six seven years i guess yeah. uh yeah i went to the college program that we have here um for writing and performance and then so basically maybe like a year after that so that was like 2014 i started that so i really started doing it probably 2016 i think i just really started going harder i guess okay so so we've been going like a similar kind of time so yeah. i kind of tried it in 2014 and really got going in 2015 um, mm-hmm. not like a, a college course but like a comedy course like a night course just to get right. started and meet people in my local scene because it wasn't obvious where the open mics were so by by doing the course I kind of found out where a couple of the local ones and then you can try and get spots and yeah like I needed I needed that like so like a, a course or, or something as a as a push because it never seemed like a realistic thing. Like I've always interested in comedy. Like I was watched uh, everything. Like the Just for Last Festival is always aired on our uh, on our stations. So I grew up watching it. But like I never considered it something that I could do. Like it's just you, I don't know. I never saw it in like open mic nights and bars or whatever. And then I realized there's like a thousand of them here, mm-hmm. and then finally went out to them. But it just it just seems like unrealistic 
but it, it, you just you could just do it. You could just do it when almost whatever you want. And we've both probably seen people on on like open mics who have no business telling jokes. But but well, yeah. <laughs> but but it's an illustration of man. They'll let anyone get up there. Exactly. Like they literally will. Like you could just show up, and no one has to. You don't have to know anything. Just start talking and. If it's funny, it's funny. If it's not, it probably won't be. If it's your first time, but Man, there's, there was there was a dude around here, like because I, I live in the Midlands, like right in the center of the UK, and there was a there was a guy on the Midlands circuit for a while, who would bring these crazy props, like a cup a couple of gigs. He brought like a homemade cannon that that he, <laughs> That's that he would. Yeah, it was, but it was like it's so bad and so terrifying. It was actually amazing to see like how wrong it could go because like he he was basically he basically made this combustible device that he was bringing to the gig as a punchline for a joke that wasn't that funny. But you know when something is so bad, it's hilarious right. comics, but it's not necessarily hilarious to the audience. <laughs> yeah, in my mind, it um, would almost be funnier if he didn't even address that he just brought out a cannon the entire time. Almost like how, like, if you know who Henny Youngman was if, with his violin, he never played it. He always just held it. And yep. that was it. So if he just <laughs> made not working cannon, yeah, he, I don't know. Would that be better than it kind uh, of working? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. All right. So I've had a couple of Canadian guests uh, over the last mm-hmm. six months, and I'm I'm starting to see uh, a little bit of a trend with some. Okay, but I'm curious to know how you approached making your mixtape. My mixtape is more or less, uh, it's me. Like it's kind of like what, what like if me as music, almost, and it's not really so much current that like songs that I'm always listening to and stuff, but they're like either a big part of my life, the song specifically, or that artist, or it led to other parts of me almost, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a bit of like my childhood is in this, but also current and like, I don't know, it's just sort of things that have shaped me into into whatever this is. <laughs> okay. All right. So who's your first track by? <laughs> Um, well, I, I, it's Blink-182, uh, mm-hmm. and I decided to lead with them uh, just to get them out of the way. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't, don't say it like that, because they were no. part <laughs> of my, my sort of like late teens and early 20s too. So, okay, perfect. Don't say it like we're supposed to be ashamed. Okay. I mean, like, I'm not actually ashamed. This is, uh, they did lead to like the rest of my interest in however much it is, uh, my interest in punk music. Whether you want to call Blink 22 punk or not, I uh, would call them pop punk, I guess. But uh, yeah, that's so why I led with them. Well, it's also a fun song to lead with, anyway. Just kind of it's, it's, starts it's, the playlist at a. It's actually at a one of. It's actually one of, if not my favorite Blink song. It's the it's the first one that I heard that really gripped me. Um, mm-hmm. And at this point, when you know this is off the Dude Ranch album, you know yeah. they were like legit 
West Coast kind of punk. So y- you are right, when they brought out Enema of the State, that was a very produced and polished album that kind of yes. lent into the pop punk thing that was started to happen. And I mean, fair play, they, they, they did really well off the back of it. Um, but but Dude Ranch was a legit punk rock album. Yeah. Uh, like, I still, <laughs> even the ones that aren't, I wouldn't even say, they're not produced at all. Like, if you ever listen to, like, Buddha and Cheshire Cat, like, they're not even great recordings. <laughs> they sound like they're in a garage. <laughs> yeah, Rough Around the Edges is uh, being kind. Yeah. So, just given my age, like, I'm 33, so I've, or 32 right now, <laughs> 33 soon. Uh, I was introduced to them with Enema of the State. Um, I don't think I would have uh, listened to um, Dude Ranch when it came out. So I think like more like What's My Age Again would have been my like introduction probably mm-hmm. to Blink-182. Um, so I found this one probably later. Um, but this is probably to date probably one of their best songs. <laughs> it's, it's fun and it, it doesn't really... Uh, like Mark Hoppus is singing, but it doesn't really sound like Mark because he's kind of more yelling the whole time rather than his singing that he normally does. Um, but yeah, so like this would have been like the uh, first introduction into um, sort of the realm of punk music that I had growing up. Like I, through them, I would have found, uh, like I had Americana growing up, <laughs> uh, the Offsprings album. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably the oldest album I still have <laughs> from when I was a kid. Um, and then later on just kind of branched off into the older more traditional punk and then pop punk and then even before that where you can get like the Sonics and like uh, like pre-punk whatever ended up becoming punk um, so yeah I'd say blink Witch is probably a, a good starting point for for my interest into that genre well yeah I mean like my, my wife is a big rock music fan like I've got a very broad okay. taste in music I listen to all kinds of stuff now but certainly late teens, early 20s, it was predominantly rock music and punk rock. Um, yeah. And, but, but now um, my wife and I have got a little boy and we're talking about how can we nudge him towards good music? And, and we, we literally call Blink a gateway band because... They'll, they really are. They'll hook you and they'll get you into that lane and then you kind of, you know, just broaden okay. it a little bit and go... They'll start finding different things of like well, who they influenced or who influenced them. Like, even if you listen to interviews of them, let's say people like Bad Religion and mm-hmm. Rancid are obviously their influences. So then they might go, "Hey, what do they sound like?" So they're yeah, they're a perfect lead into into the genre. Really, it's an e- it's an easy in. And, and and this track in particular is super listenable. So this is uh, this is Damn It. All right, so moving on from Blink-182, who are we listening to now? Yes. Uh, this next song is um, Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. Um, I don't know if they're big over there. Uh, know who they are? I wouldn't say they were big, but I think people people who are really into their music and are, are, aren't necessarily listening to like 
the pop music on the sort of primary stations, but are in are following. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to speak ill of pop music or anything like that. But you know, people who are a little bit more considered and following the sort of up and coming artists. There's there's a station over here called mm-hmm. Six Music, which is okay. predominantly like sort of new and upcoming artists and alternative classics but and but you know there are shows that cater for different genres and stuff and that would be the kind of place where people might discover like nathaniel ratliff i heard him for the first time when a previous guest michael malone picked one of his solo tracks uh called shroud which sounds okay. very different to the the stuff that he does with the night sweats. Well, for anyone who do, who doesn't know, the night sweats are more like a they're kind of like a soul bluesy, almost not country, but they got he's got twang, <laughs> I guess, yeah. um, and definitely like a wicked horn section and everything. So it's he's he's on he's on Stax Records. If that yeah. <laughs> sways anybody, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, but his solo stuff is a lot more acoustic. Uh, the song you're probably talking about might even just be acoustic. Mm-hmm. Like just him and a guitar, even. One of the most fun bands I've ever seen live. Because, I don't know, they you just you, they, they have a wicked way of just pulling you right in. Like him as a front man as well. And then I've predominantly seen them at festivals. Mm-hmm. And they'll always... They're the type of band that will always grab other people that are at the festival to come play with them. So whoever's just there and still hanging out, you'll find them on stage at some point with Nathaniel Rayliff. Like there's a band, uh, the Preservation Hall Jazz Band out of New Orleans that were, I've seen them play with the Night Sweats twice for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, uh, they're super fun. And then this is what I think is just their most fun song. But definitely a party drinking band. Uh, and I think everyone had probably goes through this phase of what this song's about they just don't want to get old <laughs> well yeah because like i i listen to this and i think you could easily just drop this into like late 60s early 70s music culture and it wouldn't sound out of place yeah like he's they have a like a, a classic sounding sound but mm-hmm. it's still i guess what they're singing about like uh the one song that got got them really big uh son of a bitch mm-hmm. uh you you wouldn't necessarily hear that <laughs> back in like the 60s but it still has that sound that it might have been from that era which is also a great song but i just like this one better <laughs> no it's, it's um i've heard son of a bitch you know it's one of those things where i had heard it umpteen times without realizing who it was and then right nathaniel Rayliff was brought to my attention and then you know, I, I dug a little deeper and went, oh, that was him. But I prefer this track because it's Son of a Bitch maybe gets played a little too much. Uh, yeah. Whereas, uh, whereas I think this track that you've picked is a better representation of like who he is and what he can do. Yeah. Like it seems like a lot of bands get stuck with like the initial single that like mm-hmm. got them there and some of their songs off the same album like this is off their first album as well um just kind of like don't get as much play even if they're even if they're better (laughs) i I assume this one was a single i never actually looked into that but i i I can't imagine it not being a single it's It's a great song 
it's 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 weird with the way music is sort of distributed these days like you can hear something on the radio and, and assume that it is a single but if you if all you're doing is like streaming stuff and you're not necessarily discovering stuff through the radio you, you might not know what the singles are that's also that's also true so that's and well and the cool thing about them is they constantly they'll put out like just their own singles out, not even on albums every now and then and look a lot of them are for charity and mm-hmm. and stuff um yeah like they have one song called hot dog i don't, I don't even think it has any words i think it's all in, in, uh, instrumental and it basically sounds like similar tempo and like upbeat as this one but i think that's mostly why like it's just danceable and and and, and like uh it's like a party in a song well it's definitely that all right so this is this one is uh, Need Never Get Old by uh, Nathaniel Rayliff and the Night Sweats. All right, moving on from Nathaniel Rayliff and the Night Sweats, who's up next? Uh, we have we have the Foo Fighters. Are you are you a fan of the Foo Fighters? Massive fan of the Foo Fighters. Nice. Uh, this one is one of their newer songs. Uh, it's from their criminally underappreciated uh, album from a few years ago, Concrete and Gold. Um, I think it went underappreciated. Um, yeah, I think. I don't know. Like, I think in some ways the Foo Fighters are kind of a victim of their own success in some regards. Like, I know people who yeah. were massive fans at the beginning, you know, with the eponymous first album and the color and the shape. Mm-hmm. And then after that, when they became a little bit more accepted by the masses, certain like diehard music fans, you know, the 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 uh, the sort of ardent indie kind of fan right. will almost turn away when everyone else latches onto it it's like you know it's that was like well i like them when they were i you know i like them before everyone else knew who they were you know that kind of right that kind of hipster bullshit claim to fame kind of attitude that some people take but and i i certainly feel like after the color and the shape there were always albums that had good songs but I don't know if I would listen to the whole album start to finish like I would the first two records. So like I have right. my I have my favorites and also I have songs that I think are amazing live that I liked off right. the album, but seeing live they had a whole new life. Like I I I liked stacked actors of no, there's nothing left to lose. But when I saw it played live, that's a completely different thing. I think I'm a huge proponent of like if you don't like somebody see them live because like their own recordings might not do them justice. Um, like they're seen. I think pretty much everyone on this list I've seen several times except for uh, a few people that um, might I think might be dead. <laughs> um, but Foo Fighters, um, maybe three times I've seen them too. Um, unbelievable. They're one of the one of the best concerts anyone could ever see i think like they're and they just seem like the coolest people like they're just they 
anytime I see them at like a stadium show or something, they're like in awe of their own success. They're just like, this is amazing. We're at a stadium. And I'm like, you guys played Wembley. They're like, why is this so yeah, amazing? Yeah, like the, the, they're just so <laughs> stoked to be there. They don't take it for granted. Uh, and you yeah. know, and I and I guess because one, they've you know, D- Dave Grohl was in the biggest band in the world, and it went away very quickly for obvious reasons. And there right. was a point when the Foo Fighters almost went away because they weren't seeing eye to eye, and uh, the the drummer whose name's Taylor Taylor Hawkins, sorry, and uh, Taylor Hawkins was. Uh, overindulging in certain <laughs> stuff. That's a polite way of putting it. Uh, so I, th- I think when you come close to losing something like that, maybe that means they don't yeah. take it for granted going forwards. Um, I feel like when they brought out wasting like this is turning into like a Foo Fighters podcast at this point. Um, That's fine. <laughs> uh, when they, I feel like when they brought wasting light out, that was a kind of that was a return to form because that album front to back was beautifully done beautifully yeah. written really well done and then of course it was kind of accompanied by this amazing documentary right um so like my, my wife have has movies that she will watch on a yearly basis you know you know like movies that we have to watch at christmas mm-hmm. whether i'm in or not it's just like no we're watching this so there's there's, there's three but but in the same vein, like I will happily watch that back and forth documentary at least oh. once a year. I just, my wife and I just ran through Sonic Highways uh, over the last maybe month or so, just watching the little mini documentaries of every song and how they wrote that uh, that album. If you've seen that doc, those that docu series, I guess. Amazing! Um, S- such yeah. such a, such a, an amazing concept to document each city's music scene in real depth. And, yeah. and create songs and, and you know and the album like I don't know if I would have appreciated that album as much had I not seen what went into putting each song together I, I will tell you I definitely didn't I, I had that was the first time I saw them and I did like it wasn't memorable to me like growing up like that, that not growing up but like uh I didn't really know anything off that album. Like I didn't just didn't know Sonic Highways. And then after I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's a ridiculously good album. Like how it's all written. Like you probably just take the songs for granted. But then once you watch that and you can see where each line actually came from, it sounds crazy to write a song like that. <laughs> yeah, and when when my wife and I went to Chicago, we actually went to Buddy Guy's bar. Because he featured in that episode in, in the writing right. of that song, and then was he? Did you see Buddy Guy play there? Uh, I don't think we saw him, but there was blues music being played like all day. There was <laughs> tons of memorabilia like all around the the bar, and we we had like lunch there and stuff. And it was cool because you you'd see like the L train going around in the background out the window. So it's a yeah, really really cool spot. And with with concrete and gold, I really like what how they approached it because I watched. Did you did you see the little animated promo that they put out just before the album came out? Mm, no. Oh I don't man, think it's, so. it's so good. It's basically Dave talking about how he happened upon the producer, like he heard this song and he became obsessed okay. with it. 
about four years ago, I was driving in my car, and the song came on the radio. The band was called The Bird and the Bee. The song was called Again and Again, and it blew my mind. It was like electronic jazz with this beautiful voice singing over top of it. But melodically, it was so much more sophisticated than anything I'd ever heard. It had elements of the Beach Boys and of the Beatles, but it seemed totally modern, and I became obsessed. Then a few months later, I was down in Hawaii, and I was sitting at this restaurant, and I look across the restaurant and I see the guy from the bird and the bee having dinner with his family. I'm like, oh my fucking God, that's the guy from the bird and the bee. So I run over to him, totally interrupt his dinner and say, I'm really sorry. Um, I'm such a huge fan and you're a genius. And he's like, hi, my name's Greg. I'm like, hi, I'm Dave. What's going on with the bird and the bee? He's like, well, we're taking a break right now about to make another record but i have to finish working with sia and adele and pink i was like oh okay i get it like he's one of the, he's a he's a huge producer you know so we make friends and every day we he says to his manager oh i really want to get that guy he's like yeah good luck everyone wants that guy so so dave just thinks it's not gonna happen and then runs into him again like a year later at the same spot in hawaii and gets drunk he's just like oh i totally wanted you to do the record but my manager said like it's never gonna happen and the dude was just like i'll do it and then that's that's how it all kind of came together and then they list off all the cameo appearances on the record yeah i looked those up it's insane because they all just happened to be milling around the same studio in la so people were just jumping in um, Paul McCartney's on it. I forget which song, but yeah. I read that Paul McCartney's on it. Like Justin Timberlake was on it. I'm like, you can't even hear Justin. You wouldn't know, but it's it's crazy. They're just like, hey, he's over there. Come on, record a thing over here. So, yeah. so good. And I like that he strives to do something different each time. The results will vary. You know, like, like I said. Oh, for I sure. I don't know if I would have listened to sonic highways as much as i did was it not for the documentary and yeah but but this but concrete and gold is a really good album and i i i was definitely looking forward to getting hold of it i pre-ordered it uh i got like a bundle that meant that i got the vinyl and i also got the cd which i could give to my wife so she could have it in the car um right and then was concrete gold the last album that came out it was the one before the one that they just released. Oh yeah, because they they just released it. They just released yeah. it. Yeah, like, because um, it was supposed to come out last July, but they they pushed the whole thing back yeah. because of COVID. Um, yeah. So that Medicine at Midnight was yeah. was their their last last album, which not bad album. Um, I don't like it as much as a lot of their other stuff. It's very like. Let's Dance, David Bowie almost. <laughs> Have you listened to a lot of it? Yeah, I listened to it. I thought Waiting on a War sounded very like something you would get on uh, The Color and the Shape. Like, the the, 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 yeah. way, the way it ends, it's reminiscent of the last track of The of the Color and the Shape, I think. That's going to be a great song live. <laughs> I know they're going to play Waiting on a War, so then like, I can picture it. Like, after a break, Dave comes out and plays the first, like, most of it i guess and then all of a sudden like huge and everyone else is in it but uh it's definitely yeah like it's i don't want to say i was disappointed but i thought with just like everything that was happening at the time like in 
in America, like how much of a fire it was. I thought it was going to be more like kind of how Conquering Gold was. Like I was a bit more, like almost a bit more punk and like hard and like more political. Like it was definitely political because the song "Waiting on a War," but it it's it's not as it's more just like <laughs> rather than I, like I, fighting I, back like with a punk no, attitude. I th- I I think it's as as albums go, it's definitely a grower. I think you need to dedicate yeah. some time to it and kind of find find your place in each song and how how to sort of appreciate it. It might not not every track will grab you first listen. And there's something to be said for music that you have to spend time with, rather because some sometimes the stuff that grabs you instantaneously, in you know, with time becomes more disposable. But uh, true. Man, like I, I can't wait, I can't wait to see them live again because they are one of my favourite live bands. We saw them at a, a big arena here in the UK called the O2 Arena, and the the venue itself and the horrible journey we had to go on to get there spoiled <laughs> it for me massively. Really? Um, but I, I was at the Wembley gig, and that was next. Were you? Yeah, the, uh, the, the it looks like it. Yeah, the night where they brought out the the Led Zeppelin guys because they did like okay. two or three nights, and yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I saw them uh, at a f- festival and then at the like the big stadium here. Mm-hmm. Um, the festival was fine. Um, they're actually playing like do you know many of the American festivals? Like Bonnaroo is one of the uh, one of the bigger uh, festivals in the states. And we used to go to that, my wife and I. Uh, we went to like maybe like five or six in a row. And it had to be, this is the year that they're supposed to be playing, like in September in the in in Tennessee. And uh, we're not gonna go, which sucks. Um, We've been waiting, we're like, Foo Fighters <laughs> at Bonnaroo. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Borders and stuff are, are weird right now. <laughs> so which track from Concrete and Gold have you picked? This one, um, well, because also when I heard uh, I heard a lot about Conquering Gold in interviews and stuff, it kind of was spawned out of uh, Donald Trump getting elected, kind of. Um, so they went back to like what I thought um, uh, Medicine at Midnight was the direction was going to be, um, sort of just like frustration and anger and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of more punkish and kind of this song has like little elements of like Dave's hardcore past. Um, so this is run by the Food Fighters. All right, so moving on from the Food Fighters, who are we listening to now? This one, uh, well, I guess we'll calm it down. <laughs> after that uh this is a fleetwood mac just i'm this is one one of the bands on my list that i haven't seen uh heard great things of them live uh this is just room off rumors probably one of the best albums if not the best album ever um just steady hits (laughs) and i'm gonna say this is probably the best song on that album and it's the only song that is credited to each one of them it's not just written by lindsey buckingham or mm-hmm. stevie nicks it's each person has their name and is credited to this song and 
they should have done that more <laughs> if this is what they came up with. <laughs> yeah, um, and you think maybe if they'd have been a little bit more uh, equal about everything over time, maybe the relationships wouldn't have been as fraught, you know? Yeah, like it's from everything I've heard in like interviews and whatever, uh, this album must have been just impossible to make just because what was going on between all of the members at the time so the fact that they even wrote one song collectively is kind of amazing uh everyone's cheating on each other and getting divorced and stuff so it's it's a pretty it's a pretty cool story of <laughs> getting oh, to this song but it's it's an amazing story like <laughs> if like you couldn't write it like if like if if someone wrote a screenplay of of this set of relationships, you're like, no, no, there's too many crossovers. Like it's too it's too messy that there's no way that would ever happen. But it did, and they stayed together to make the music despite it. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's, like, it's pretty. It, it, the, the fact they didn't break out as a result of rumors is pretty unbelievable, in my opinion. Like just. Yeah, nobody was getting along at all as people, not even as a band. Just like they clearly hated everyone else <laughs> in the band. And this was like, how many albums were? This was pretty early on into like Buckingham and Nick's being in the band. I think um, mildly early. I'm not entirely no, sure, but I'm I'm not I'm not like an expert on the whole history. <laughs> like rumors was played to death in one of my previous workplaces. So that album has been tainted for me a little bit by a a couple of friends of mine. And and they still they still probably listen to it at least once a day, I would imagine. Um but weirdly, and and this will be a dead giveaway to anyone listening in the UK, this track is actually synonymous with a sport. So the uh the, the breakdown towards the end of the song. Okay. That is like the music. That is the soundtrack to the beginning of the TV coverage of the Grand Prix here in the UK. That's amazing. <laughs> it's so like bef- before I ever knew who Fleetwood Mac was, I knew right. that little that little section of music as oh, that's the car racing song. <laughs> that's awesome. What well, we have. <laughs> uh is before hockey starts on Saturdays. I don't know if it's still like, I haven't watched it in a while, but it's uh, Nickelback covering <laughs> Elton John's Saturday Night's All Right. So that's uh, a bit of a contrast. <laughs> Just a bit. So, so as if we need to say, but what Fleetwood Mac track have you picked? This is, yeah, one of my favorite songs, What, in my opinion, one of the best songs ever is it's, uh, The Chain by Fleetwood Mac. All right, moving on from Fleetwood Mac, who's up next? So next, we have uh, the Tragically Hip, uh, the super Canadian. Do you, do you know, are you guys aware of the hip? Okay, so this is what I was saying when I say there's a bit of a trend. So whenever I get okay. a Canadian guest, a couple of them will, will always pick at least 
two or three Canadian artists to slide in there right. just, just because just just for you know patriotism and and Canadian pride uh, so Steph Tolev um, picked a song by the Tragically Hip I think she ended on one and I'm, I'm sure at least one other guest has picked them and I know now that, that it's quite an interesting story with those guys uh, because the, the lead singer passed away and was very mm-hmm. open at the end about his illness and there was this this massive last gig sort of a farewell gig for the, him the, <laughs> the gig itself was it was it was pretty big, but they stopped the Olympics to show it on TV. Like, well, the, I don't know if the Olympics stopped. They <laughs> In Canada, they stopped showing it. They're like, the Olympics is done for now. We're showing you Tragically Hip's last concert ever, basically, because he, he, he had brain cancer and he was going to leave soon. Um, but yeah, so like they're monsters here. Like that's... It, it's it's so strange how this works like it's i saw weezer open for them but no one knows outside of canada for the most part who the tragically hip is <laughs> so it just seems strange to have like a band like weezer open for them but i've seen them um three times um one of which was part of their last tour there was it was their last show here in toronto mm-hmm. Um, so that a couple days later they had the last one in a town called Kingston, uh, where they're from. Um, so just live, they're they're <laughs> a lot of their songs don't make a lot of sense in my brain. <laughs> He's very like considered a poet. I think he was like dubbed like our poet laureate. Um, I don't even think that's a real title here. I think they made it after him. Um, and uh, so a lot of it is kind of like. Canadiana, like this song is, you might not seem like it, but that's the name of a town. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, if you don't see it written, it sounds like the name of a person. <laughs> but it's it's a town which is like um, it's like a country town where apparently they used to have like cottages there when they were growing up. Um, and uh, it's just this is this is what summertime in Canada pretty much sounds like. You'll be sitting on a like a chair, a lawn chair on on a dock, on somebody at someone's cottage that you know, drinking beer, and you're in front of a lake, and you'll hear songs like this, and then that's just summertime. That's what it's, it's the sound of summer, and so you might hear a loom. Matt, it's it's, it's cr- I can't think. I don't know. If, I don't know if I can think of a British band who are huge here. But nobody knows outside of the it's, UK. It's because it, they they are an oddity in that regard. Mm-hmm. It's a strange anomaly, an, an anomaly, and like they tried to get there in the states. Like they played Saturday Night Live because um, Dan Aykroyd uh, is from the same town as them, mm-hmm. and he's like told Lorne Michaels, he's like, get these guys on the show. And then they played, and then just nobody seemed to care after that. <laughs> and then. Uh, like, cause one of the concerts I saw them at is that I saw them at a place called Downstreet Park, which is it's outside. Like, so it, it's like I don't even know how many people could fit there. Like, thirty, forty thousand people at this show, but like, and then no other country has almost ever heard of them. It's it's interesting. I, I, I I'm sure that there's a documentary out about them somewhere, and it's. 
Yeah, it's in a similar vein as Back and Forth, where it's mainly detailing the last the last tour. If I remember correctly, it's called Long Time Running. It was also one of their songs. Um, and it's just kind of going through, like, uh, I think he talks a bit about their history and um, mainly details, like, his, his brain cancer and, like, still going on with the tour. And although not really remembering their music, which was looked like probably what took a toll on Gord Downey is the, uh, was the singer. Um, even on their tour, you could see that he had, he had monitors in front of him mm-hmm. because he would, for, he could remember the melody, but he couldn't necessarily remember the lyrics, uh, all their songs, which that was a little tough to watch. Um, but aside from that, he still performed the hell out of the songs, but there was at the, sh- at, at, at least on that tour, there was a noticeable, um, time maybe like three quarters of the way through uh, their performances that you could feel the crowd all realizing that like oh this is like literally almost over like we're never gonna see this again and it kind of like brought everybody like kind of brought everyone down like, you could feel that it was ending like ending ending though like it's it was a strange strange concert to go to it's it's almost like musically, it's it, it, it's musically it's like a funeral for the for, for the band and and the yeah, music. Yeah, it, it really and, was. You know, like everyone's there to to sort of say goodbye and in, enjoy that sort of live energy one last time, but the sadness in knowing that you're not going to get to do it again, especially if it's been a massive part of like Canadian culture. Yeah. I'm at, like. There have been people who there have been musicians who have passed away, who I didn't realize. I I didn't realize how much they meant to me until mm-hmm. the, until they went. Like when Bowie went, I, yeah. I it rocked me, and I did, I didn't realize I I, I liked him that much. <laughs> like, you know? I like David Bowie now. <laughs> no, no, no. Like yeah, you know, like like. Of course, I like that David Bowie, and there's there's all this there's all this music, but like, I never thought that when he passed away, it would like affect me. You know no, what? I mean? Yeah, I, like, I, I I didn't yeah. expect that. So, for a band to be that massive in in one corner of the world and to do the mm-hmm. farewell tour around that country, oh man, it, like there must have been so many tears shed for that band. Oh yeah, they were. It was yeah, like the, that. That was some of the loudest like encore slash like just post show like uh, applauses that, that I've heard. Um, mm-hmm. It yeah, it was it, it was it was an interesting thing to be a part of, like to like to, to be there and see it. But definitely sad because they were they were good. <laughs> okay, so I which... don't know if the rest of the band is up to anything yet, uh, like doing anything else, but. Like he had um, some other projects that he had going on after. Uh, he, he the course of uh, like the end of his his life, he was more focusing on like indigenous peoples' rights and and um, a lot of the uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> so he had like charitable albums and like a comic book, I think. Um, but this song, on a lighter note, uh, is is called Bob Cajun, which is. <laughs> For some reason, the name of a place uh, by the tragic Leah.
Okay, so moving on from the tragically hip, who are we listening to now? This one uh, is Mumford and Sons. Um, pretty large band, well, also one of the most fun bands to see live. Um, yeah, they're. This is off. Uh, I don't remember which album. It's not one of their more recent ones, though. <laughs> Second or third, I think. Um, yeah, just folksy, acoustic-ish. Just a party, uh, another party show. If you if you ever see them live. Yeah, like I would love to see them live, especially in in this guys because they they kind of. I know they probably toiled for a long time before they made it, but it it very much seemed like they came out of nowhere here in the UK. Yeah. And well, yeah, kind of here too. I heard one of their first singles on the radio, and I just like a little line man, and I just kind of fell in love with it on the spot. That I had to like pull over and use Shazam if you've ever remembered that. Like, mm-hmm. who is this? Because I missed the DJ's intro. And I'm like, I'll never know. They may never play it again. I don't know who this is. So then that's, yeah, that's how I found out who they were and then just loved them ever since then. Yeah, they um, because they did did two albums in the same vein of that sort of high tempo, upbeat, Mm -hmm. um, anthemic folk. You know, and, and there was no one else that sounded like them being certainly not being played on my mainstream radio there are probably bands that are playing similar music but not n- none that were breaking through yeah. like like those did and i think part of the spectacle is that a lot of the musicians were doing more than one thing when they were playing live so the the lead yeah. singer would be playing guitar and stomping a bass drum at the same time so there was this sort of this diy we're gonna do it all take all the money uh, <laughs> but uh they, they were a spectacle and then because they did two albums in a similar vein they kind of became caricatures of themselves a little bit and then the third album sort of was more of an indie rock kind of record because they yeah they probably didn't want to be pigeonholed you don't want to make the well you also I assume artistically you don't want to just be doing the same thing uh, like over and over again like it just just be born playing the like the the kick drum while you play the guitar while some other guy plays a banjo can only sound so many ways i guess until you throw in w- pianos and whatever else mm-hmm. other keyboards and synthesizers threw in a wilder mind um but still i didn't find the i didn't see them until a bit uh later in their after a few albums um so they already had the funness catalog with whatever they're doing at the time Mm-hmm. Um, combined together, that's a great show. That makes like I saw them at the uh, the arena that's here, and it felt like a club. Like uh, they just make, they bring everybody right in. It's really cool to see. And they're also at festivals. Another one of those bands that just keep bringing people on stage. <laughs> yeah, because they, um, they they they're um they've got a real sense of community about them. There's a really good yeah. documentary. I can't remember what it's called, and it was produced by one of the Mumford and Sons guys. I think it's maybe because a lot of the bands were on their label, and it was basically a convoy of these artists in camper vans driving yeah. from one place from Boston to, to Boston. There you go. That's the one. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, it was. Uh, they've got a really good sense of bringing people along 
with them. Right. And certainly with those, for, like with, with tracks like Little Lion Man and this one that you've picked, they're really good at creating these these crescendos towards the end of the song. Yes. It creates this kind of fever pitch moment for for them and the audience, where every you know and. I, I defy anyone not to like sing along if they were seeing this live. Yeah, like you, you can't not, or at least if you don't know it and can't sing along, at least like move. Like if you're not like tapping your toe or bobbing your head to any of these songs, you're a crazy person and <laughs> you have no business being there. <laughs> but um, this song specifically, um, I could have picked anything realistically because it's more. Mumford and Sons is is the real choice, but this song specifically I picked. Um, uh, it's more personal just because it. Um, we played it at our wedding, like right after. It's like I do, I do kiss, and then like mm-hmm. when you're leaving, this song was playing as we're leaving the ceremony. So it's figured if I'm gonna pick Mumford and Sons, I may as well pick that one. Beautiful. All right, so this is. Yeah. This one's "I Will Wait" uh, by Mumford and Sons. Now in some way. All right, so moving on from Mumford and Sons, you've you've picked another artist here, and I didn't yeah. know I didn't know they were Canadian. But, oh, really? But I googled it when I listened to the track, going because like I I know one track by these guys, and everyone will know what I mean when 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 you reveal who we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't really know this one. So I was like, ah, so this is an interesting one. I wonder why he's picked this. And I was like, ah, right, another Canadian act. So maybe, maybe the <laughs> the uh, their back catalogue is more popular there. I don't know. Um, but, but but come on, break you know, it, break the it, tension. Who are we it, listening to? This is Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, they are a Canadian band. I did. We get okay. So we have. CanCon laws. Like, I'm not saying they wouldn't have been, they would have made it without the Canadian content laws, but we, uh, when I was a kid, I wasn't aware of them, so I just think music is, like, whoever. So people, they might get more play here, because they're a Canadian band that was getting bigger. Um, So, that is why we'd be, I'd be more familiar with them. I didn't necessarily pick them because they were Canadian. Um, but I just, I, I'm not, I'm, I am a fan of them and I find they have a very strange style on some of their older albums. It's like of the era, like is the, this song specifically was definitely from the nineties. Um, and they have a sort of alternative sound, but a weird like jazziness <laughs> to them. Like their bass player plays a, an upright bass, um, which is somewhat rare unless you're in them or the Mumford and Sons. Um, and like a lot of piano um this this song is um i don't know i think i I feel like people uh have sort of like the feeling of like what this song is about like going 
like back to one of your old places and see just to see what it is like a house you grew up in or or, mm -hmm. or whatever to see how they've changed it this one is sort of about that but illegally doing so it's kind of documenting maybe a fictitious or a real one i don't know but a breaking and entering to where this guy used to live um it sort of has like a haunting element to it but it's still upbeat enough that you don't really notice it <laughs> um you so what 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 do you what, what do you know from them like what was the song the one song that the, is like the, popular there the one song that everyone knew was one week ah that makes sense that got pretty big yeah it was such an oddity because it was like this yeah. upbeat kind of rock well not rock tune it was this kind of this upbeat alternative track but it kind of had almost like rapping in it like with the yeah uh, yeah it's, yeah it's almost rapping but like but quick like yeah. too it's not like uh like yeah i i wouldn't want to see anyone i well i wouldn't want to see anyone try and do that song <laughs> karaoke but yeah definitely i could see yeah one week being the one that you know but a lot of their earlier stuff is more sort of acoustic-y mm -hmm. and it sounds a bit more like this with um steven page who's no longer the band uh i don't know i think he got kicked out for cocaine reasons uh <laughs> i'm not i don't spread that rumor i don't really know um but he's got like the more nasally voice and <laughs> their voices <laughs> Well, I mean, the guy sings pinch me. He doesn't have, like, the nasal voice. <laughs> the guy with the cocaine problem had a really nasally voice. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, man, you, you couldn't have timed that better. That was great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I don't even think he's in pinch me too much, but it, he's all over this song and a lot of their older stuff. Um yeah this is a uh, i don't know i just uh, i just like it <laughs> that, that's, that's a perfectly valid reason to to put something on a mixtape mate all right so this is this is uh the old apartment by bernick ladies Okay, all right, so moving on from the Bare Naked Ladies, we've got a bit of a left turn here. Well, a sort of. It kind of, uh, I don't know, it kind of eases, like, it, it shows how I got to the night sweats, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, we have, uh, at a young age, I, I started falling in love with, like, Motown and, and all kinds of soul music, uh, then discovered everyone that was on Stax Records, which I was like, this is kind of like Motown, but like, I don't know, like the rock version of Motown. Um, it's just like, they have a distinct like sound. Um, and the song necessarily doesn't have like something that's so fundamentally like, uh, like that spoke to me, but like the whole, this, I'm gonna say that this song kind of represents like the whole genre and can't be a better person to represent soul music than I guess Al Green um, who I'd, I'd, I'd love to see Al Green I, he's one guy I haven't seen um, uh, 
so this song like i yeah i used to love when i was a when i was a kid and then just kind of i don't know um just stopped listening to it or hearing it as much as i did or something and then kind of found it again through watching uh comedian with jerry seinfeld <laughs> when i got a bit older because um, there's a, i forget what scene it is but the song is in it and i'm like it just kind of brought me back in like the just the whole opening of this song like just the just the, uh, like, i think it's just an organ i guess like the chords of it is just i don't know i like this song oh, it's a beautiful <laughs> song and it really is i love that documentary i watched it i re-watched it sorry maybe last year and it's really fascinating and i, and I love seeing comics hanging out with other comics and just shooting the shit and talking about material yeah and I can't imagine Orny Adams is happy with the way he came off. I don't know. <laughs> it's, he, yeah, he seemed a little full of himself for where career-wise he, he, he either was or should have been. <laughs> it's hard to say. Like, he was... It's good. <laughs> but I don't know. When I looked at your playlist I and I <laughs> saw that you had Al Green on it, I was just like, right, I can I can see the connection here between Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats. Like I can see like there's there's a there's definitely a what's the word I'm looking for? There's definitely a preference for some sort of soul music and a brass section and so I, I, yeah. I, I saw the connection when I looked at the whole playlist. And aside from construction i've gone back and forth between uh being an iron worker and before that i was a cook and i've kind of done uh both um and there's just something about having soul music in the kitchen like it's just it's the perfect music to cook to i don't know if, if you cook much um throw on soul music when you do it's <laughs> there's just i don't know what it is it just works together no absolutely there's a that, that radio station i mentioned earlier six music mm-hmm. there's a there's a dj he's actually an actor that's how you kind of got got first known in the uk a guy called uh, craig charles he was in the, like this comedy sci-fi show called red dwarf and but it turns out he's apt he's an absolute music fiend and nice. for you know for as long as i can remember he's also been a dj on six music and uh, I think it's Saturday evenings he does this Craig Charles funk and soul show. So if you can access it on some sort of listen again thing on, through the BBC apps or whatever, you should absolutely listen to his show because I think you would really, really like it. But it's that okay. perfect time of the evening to put on in the background right. whilst you're cooking. And I do love cooking. So um, that's that's kind of my responsibility in the house is like I do I do a lot of the dinners and when I'm cooking, either get to pick music or I will just have my headphones in and ignore everything else in the house. My wife, I, my son. I do that a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just in it, putting the meal together. Yeah, this, it makes you move. Like if you're moving around your kitchen, you can dance a little. It's, And I think, I don't know if, the, if, it, if, if it always had such a connection or if it kind of stemmed from like, do you ever see The Big Chill? Mm-hmm. Because they have this cooking scene to like, uh, I think one of the main songs is, um, you know, Mountain High uh, by Marvin and Tammy. And that's, it just, it, it just works. Like you don't have to really do anything. If you just put a bunch of people in the kitchen, they uh, play that while they cook. 
It's just going to look like a good time. Okay, but which Al Green song have you picked for your mixtape? This song in specific is Love and Happiness. Moving on from Al Green, who are we listening to now? Uh, this, uh, the next up is is the Stones, um, and I, I was able to see them uh, maybe it was like two or three years ago. I wish I would have seen them uh, earlier, but um, still fantastic. Oh god, million years old and still moves like a, I don't know, like a teenager. The guy's <laughs> unbelievable. Um, yeah, this song specifically is just. I think one of my favorite songs, probably. Um, it's it's kind of it's up there with the chain, where it's just like it. it to me, they're just like perfect songs. Like you, there, there's nothing about them that I would want changed or or change at all. Yeah, like I get what you were saying about the Stones. Like the, it's it's so odd that turn of phrase is so applicable to them as people but is also the name of their band about the Rolling Stone gathering no moss because they literally yeah. don't stop. So no. they don't seem to be losing many of their faculties because they've always maintained this level of activity and output. And yeah, and maybe if they did sort of take a few years off and didn't do anything creative, maybe they would become the old men they, they should be. But... Uh, no, don't let it happen. No, <laughs> stay <not> active. <laughs> yeah, it's and I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's nothing necessarily um, specific to this song either in my life as well. Uh, but it's just this. This song is the it encompasses the era of when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, like between this and probably like "Fortunate Son" by the CCRs, like that. That is the '60s. Um, in, in my brain I, w- I was there <laughs> yeah. but like those two songs are exactly what the 60s sounds like to me yeah. um, this track was actually picked by another guest recently uh, you know at mm-hmm. the time of recording and one of the things I, I, I said then is that the the intro to this song like it, it's so perfect musically i almost wish like that section was longer than it is like just give give me more of that because that bit is great yeah the song goes in a completely different direction and it becomes this wonderful thing in its own right but like the intro in particular i could listen to that on a loop you should just try (laughs) just cut keith's intro and just loop it and you could I, i could listen to that forever too um but then once it starts getting big and like just um, seeing this song live was unbelievable because I'm not sure who it was that that came out and sang with with Mick. But like they're just kind of like yelling, like taking turns, like back and forth at each other. And like it just got so huge at that point. And yeah, it's that's an amazing song, too.
All right, so moving on from the Rolling Stones, we find ourselves at your final track. But for the benefit of anyone who is hearing about you for the first time, uh, what's where's the best place to find out about who you are and what you do? Um, probably mainly Instagram. I think that's how you found me. That's how I I've been able to do the best <laughs> as far as far as like followers and stuff uh, on Instagram for some reason. But I'll usually, when shows are happening, I would post them. Um, I do have a website, angelshelf.com, but it's kind of, um, it is what it is right now. <laughs> I haven't really been able to update too much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll always promote shows that I'm on if, if you're in the towns that I'm doing the shows in, um, mainly Toronto. Um, but yeah, probably Instagram is probably the best bet. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll make sure that we link to that in the show notes then. Okay, so... Who are we listening to for your last track? The last one, More Soul. <laughs> this one is, uh, is Sam and Dave. Um, they are also another Stax uh, uh, artist. They, I think, I don't know if it's all the recordings or, or if they're just, but like to have um, Booker T and the MGs as your backing band is, mm-hmm. is pretty unbelievable. Um, uh, this song specifically is... I've always like it, it didn't hold anything personal to me until uh, until I got married. So it was just a song I liked, and then this ended up being um, our first dance, actually. Oh, amazing choice! Kind of a little, un- <laughs> yeah, it's not a little untraditional. Normal people go like a, a slow song, <laughs> but neither of us. Can no, dance that's at good all, so because because like, like yeah. so often it's a slow jam, and then there's this awkward yeah. moment where the rest of the I don't, I don't know about Canadian weddings, but certainly in the UK, you 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 know everyone takes photos and watches the happy couple have their first dance, and there's a point maybe halfway through where people will start to join them, or or maybe right. the, the bride and groom beckon everyone else onto the dance floor with them. Um, but they don't always do that, so there's this kind of awkward. Oh, should we, should we get up there or like? Because you don't want to spoil the moment. But, <laughs> but what an amazing way to, to break with tradition to have something funky and upbeat and mm-hmm. like this is the kind of song that if it came on at a wedding, and I was a guest, I would have to get up and dance to. A hundred percent. And it's like as soon as you hear it, like it doesn't, it doesn't have like a lead up or or like it, it it's just it just bang it's it's happening, and it's uh, it also like this kind of goes with like need never get old where it's it's just a real real fun song. Um, I've always like I've always loved it the way I don't even know if my wife really knew it prior to me showing it to her. I kind of just showed it to her. And I was like this. This is gonna be like the song that I come out to in my first special, and then she started listening to it. We listened to the words and like how, like actually nice and like kind of sweet the mm-hmm. song really is, and then she fell in love with it. And then we ended up because it, it it sort of encompasses like what we wanted our wedding to be. Yeah, like we just wanted to be fun. We didn't want it. We didn't want it anyone to have like a dull time. We didn't want anyone to just sit there and be like. Uh, when's this gonna be over so for this song to like kick off the whole night that was uh that was a really fun time and yeah it's just it's just a really it's a really good song and it's kind of basically me in a song that's 
still soul and not like as as rockish <laughs> no like i I had a similar thing where, like, I always knew this song. Like, I, you know, I, I might not have known it by name, but like, I'd, you know, it would come <laughs> on every now and then. Go, oh, I know this kind of thing. And then one of the things that made me sort of pay more attention to it is it was used on a skate video. Uh, there was a shoe brand that that used to be around. I don't think they're going anymore. It's called Circa. And on one of their sort of team videos, they used it on a section for a skateboarder called Windsor James, who I was really into at the time. Like, a, you know, a really big fan of his style and stuff. And a lot of skate videos were either hip hop or rock music. So right. for someone to like put a section to like some proper old school soul, it just made the part stand out a little bit more and it made yeah. me develop more of an affection for the track itself. So when I saw this, I was just like, oh, I'm going to watch that section. So I was watching it today, like on my lunch break in preparation for like this conversation. Um, so it's, it's crazy how you can associate a piece of music with this other thing that you're passionate about. And I mean, my, my wife and I had the same sort of approach with our wedding. Like we just wanted to make it a fun day for everyone. And music yeah. had to be like an integral part of it. So there was a ska band who owed me a favor. Uh, so I, a ska I, band at your wedding? <laughs> they, they played uh, a song in the ceremony. So basically there was a balcony at the rear of the venue. So they were sat up there, but nobody was looking. And um, if you don't get married in a church and you're, you're getting like a, what is, it, what is essentially like a civil service, you're not allowed to have anything religious. So we wanted people okay. to sing during the ceremony, like you would have a hymn in a church. But um, so we had, uh, then I saw her face by the monkeys. So, the, so it was basically, when, when it came to like singing the song, these guys popped up in the balcony at the, the rear of the venue. So there was a trumpet player, a guitar player, and a bassist and the vocalist. Not not the whole lineup. And they played right. the music for that song. And uh, everyone had the little hymn sheet to sing along to. <laughs> oh, nice. And then straight after dinner, we had a Kaylee, which is like a traditional Scottish dance where you do these sort of basic sort of dances where that are kind of called out by the band leader and that are purposely okay. a, little, a little bit hard to follow and there's a lot of swinging people around and swapping partners and it gets really chaotic <laughs> and it's supposed to it's supposed to fall apart a little bit and be a little bit messy um and then we we had a a covers band for the evening who played a lot of like sort of indie and rock and roll stuff <laughs> and so like music was a massive part of our day so i completely understand the notion of like designing your day to be fun for your guests and not being yeah yeah a, a dull traditional kind of affair because i think i think we've all been to those and just i don't know just either yawning just checking your watch be like when when can i leave <laughs> no i think so, like, I, I think I we've think, all had that I experience think, no i think every wedding has its fun moments but they're really yeah. consistently fun throughout yeah, that's true. But yeah, so we also had a band at ours um, that they were they were just there. There's a fun like bar band. Um, then I kind of curated, just downloaded a bunch of songs onto like uh, an iPod for like the breaks for in between. Um, 
so yeah I, 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 the whole criteria for anything was for it to be fun like we had a hot dog cart yes mate part of our wedding we had a hog roast for our evening meal as well and, and also a callback to what we were talking about earlier uh, straight after we said I do and we were exiting the venue we had the string quartet version of Everlong playing perfect I, I, yeah. it, was, I, it was great because like some of my friends who are like massive Foo Fighters fans were just like why do I know this because <laughs> it, yeah. it's not it's, it's not like immediately obvious um, mm-hmm. so yeah we're, we're, yeah, we, we took a similar approach well done sir my, I, I doff my <laughs> cap to you sir yeah. <laughs> so, what track did you pick for your first dance? This one is Hold On, I'm Coming by Sam and Dave. Amazing. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on, man. I've had a blast. Like, we have yeah, we have talked for almost two hours at this point. Don't worry, guys. I've edited it down to a, a much more consumable time. <laughs> but uh, it's been a blast, man. And, uh, and I hope you come back. Yeah later for a for a side b at some point whenever whenever you'll have me (laughs) another year if uh (laughs) the way i do things works (laughs) thanks for coming on man yeah thank you very much so that concludes this week's episode and i really enjoyed it we spoke for a lot longer than you heard But if you'd like to watch or listen to the completely unedited conversation, you can find it on my Patreon, for which there's a link in the show notes. There was a long conversation about stand-up comedy that I took out because Mixtapes isn't supposed to be about comedy primarily, and I didn't want the episode to be longer than it would normally be. Now, as always, we've kept the music discussed played below the conversation because I believe that all musicians should be paid for what they do. So if you want to hear Andrew's mixtape in full, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. But for now, I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike. Cheers. Cheers.